you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stort Show. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is, of course, a show where we can come together to starve our fears, to follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. I have a solo episode for you today to follow up on my interview with Dominic Cortuccio this last Monday. It was all about how to avoid drift and live life more intentionally, and this is a concept that I have been interested in um, for the last couple years and really for the last few months as I've been making this show because I've been wanting to live life to the fullest and intentionally as much as I can and to uh, help others do the same thing to inspire others, which is why I'm doing this podcast. It's not uh, for money or for anything else, but to help others to inspire others and you know maybe get a little attention for myself, of course, right? But uh, I, I want to put that information out there. I don't know where it came from for me, but it's interesting to find out after listening to Dominic talk about uh, reading the book Outwitting the, the Devil that this information has been, well, sort of out there for a long time. But when you really think about it, not too long, because the book Outwitting the Devil, uh, Napoleon Hill wrote in 1938 which was uh, 80 years ago, 81 years ago, that he wrote the manuscript, but he never published it because uh, it was deemed too controversial. His wife didn't want him to publish it. And I am now reading the book. I'm a little more than halfway through it, and I see why. (laughs) I see why he didn't publish it. He talks about it in the book, how it would be so controversial if he put this out there because it's very damning of the school system and the church and Uh, of the way so many people think and live their lives. Um, It's incredible. But it was finally published in June of 2011, so it has been out for about seven and a half years now. And if you haven't read it yet, um, I do recommend it. Like I said, I'm about halfway through, and I wanted to recap some of the, a couple of the lessons that came from that book because um, that's where Dominic got his inspiration for the platform that he's going on now, uh, which is to help people stop drifting and live life more intentionally, which is something that I'm really uh, into as well. <clears throat> and there are a lot of great quotes and information and advice in this book, and I'm just going to pull some of that out today to inspire some of this conversation. Um, and it's amazing that the book was written 80 years ago, and it is almost entirely still very uh, applicable and appropriate and um I don't know, just something that you can learn from today, even as we're in 2019 and the world has changed so much, the economy has changed so much, people have changed so much, technology, of course, has changed so much, and yet we're still all the same, right? We still have um, things coming at us all the time. We have um, influences on us from different parts of our communities, church, school, teachers, friends, whatever it is, and we still have the ability to either think for ourselves or let society and companies and marketers and commun- other things influence our thought. And one of the big things 
Um, Napoleon Hill talks about all the different fears that the devil uses to uh, take over people's minds. And one of the big ones is the fear of failure. And that's a, I think that's one that influences people a lot when they think about, oh, I'd like to try starting a business or um, doing all kinds of different things, even starting a family, right? I know some people that are sort of interested in having a baby, but they don't because they're afraid of how hard it's going to be. And, and most people f- push through that and end up doing it anyway, but some people don't, right? And there's a lot of things that people don't do because they're afraid of failure. And um, one quote I read from Napoleon Hill is that, uh, and it's early on in the book, my experience has taught me that a man is never quite so near success as when that which he calls failure has overtaken him, for it is on occasions of this sort that he is forced to think. If he thinks accurately and with persistence, he discovers that so-called failure usually is nothing more than a signal to rearm himself with a new plan or purpose. Most real failures are due to limitations which men set up in their own minds. If they had the courage to go one step further, they would discover their error. This is huge right here. Um, He's basically saying that, you know, most failure will lead to success if you're able to think for yourself, learn from the failure, overcome it, and avoid it next time. And I've had a couple uh, mishaps in my business recently. Um, things I took a really a major hit in what I was expecting for my income this year um, because of two losses or postponements of business. And I'm trying to take those in stride because as my friends who encourage me say that, you know, this actually opens the door for other opportunities. You don't know what they are yet, but if you've heard the, f- the phrase, one door closes, another one opens, that these things uh, not happening are opening the door for something else. And I have some big plans uh, that I'm working on right now, and I'll announce those later uh, in the talent development space. But um, I'm hoping that these doors closing are opening the doors for bigger and better things, and that I can learn from my failures and my losses and take those in stride and, and take inspiration from all the successful people I have read about and learned from who have all experienced some type of failure and who have learned from those things and have moved on um, to become much more successful. Because when you think about it, almost all successful people have uh, experienced some type of failure. It's pretty rare to find somebody that doesn't. And some of those that we look up to today really embrace it. Uh, like Jeff Bezos, who's the CEO of Amazon, um, he, he talks about it all the time, how he's experienced so many failures and embraces those and how we have to have failures that lead to success. Steve Jobs was big in that as well. Um, all right, let me see what else I want to pull out of this. Okay, so as uh, Napoleon Hill gets into his conversation with the devil in the book, the devil is uh, admitting all of the ways he controls 98% of the population uh, of the world uh, through... Uh, his influences and bribes and fear. And he says, one of my cleverest devices for mind control is fear. I plant the seed of fear in the minds of people. And as those seeds germinate and grow through use, I control the space they occupy. The six most effective fears are the fear of poverty, criticism, ill health, loss of love, older age, and death. Those are the six greatest fears that he said. Last week, I talked about the biggest fear uh, that the devil doesn't mention, which is public speaking, <laughs> right? That's often the most cited number one fear. Um, but when you really think about it, like I said, why do people have a fear of public speaking? It's because they really fear being criticized. 
and being labeled an outcast and being removed from society. And he does say that one of the six most effective fears is the fear of criticism. He also mentions the loss of love and old age. And old age is maybe not being able to do the things that you want to do anymore. Of course, the fear of death is not being around anymore. Um, The fear of poverty means you're not going to be able to do the things you want to do anymore. And the fear of criticism um, is that you might be ostracized from society and not be able to do the things you want to do anymore. All these go back to us being not good enough uh, and not being able to live life the way we want. And so many people fear these, even though they're really not living life intentionally or not doing the things they want to do. Um, and yet they have a fear of these things. So they have a fear of things being taken away from them. And I think that fear of criticism is by far the number one most important thing to look into and to think about for yourself and how much are we acting because of that fear of criticism, because of how we are, um, we're afraid we might be perceived by other people and how it influences how we think and how we act. And the devil goes on to say, of course, I cannot punish anyone except in that person's own mind through some form of fear. But fear of the thing which does not exist is just as useful to me as fear of that which does exist. All forms of fear extend the space I occupy in the human mind. Think about that. A lot of fear is of things that don't actually exist. So... If you have a fear of heights and you're up on top of a cliff, like, of course, that height and that fall exists. Like, if you fall to, you know, you will die, right? And that's something legitimate and probably worth being afraid of. Um, although a lot of times people get afraid in those situations when there there is nothing to be afraid of, right? And a lot of fear is unjustified. And again, the fear of criticism is probably the number one there because we're so afraid of speaking in public or making a video or posting something or, um, you know, doing something in public that might bring shame on us because we're afraid that people are going to criticize us and that's going to hurt our feelings when, as I've said before, people in general are rooting for you. Yes, there are judgmental people out there who are rooting against others and will criticize you, but if you can free your mind and not worry what those people think, um, it you live such a freer life and such a more um, wonderful existence that uh, you don't have to worry about that stuff. So the devil does go on to talk about this subject of drift, and he says, when a person begins to drift on any subject, he is headed straight towards the gates of what you earthbound call hell. So in this book, uh, Napoleon Hill talks about the concept of hell Um, and not as much as what it looks like when you get there, but that people who are drifting, who are not living life intentionally or thinking for themselves are heading in that direction. And I don't think it's in this book, but Dominic uh, did mention a quote that has really stuck with me, which is that the definition of hell is reaching your last day on earth and realizing uh, or meeting the person that you could have become. So that is realizing what your potential was and that you did not achieve it. You did not ascertain it. Think about that, that you have this opportunity to live this great life and do all these things and that fear is often holding us back. I know it has for me. uh, And therefore, you don't do all the things that you want to do. And then you get to the end of your life and you get to see, you know, say a movie or something of all the things that you could have done like Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge style, and uh, it would just be 
awful, right? To think, oh, I could have done all those things, but I didn't do it. Why? Because I let fear hold me back. So let's talk. I was drifting, right? Let's talk about this concept of drift. The devil says, I can best define the word drift by saying that people who think for themselves never drift, while those who do little or no thinking for themselves are drifters. A drifter is one who permits himself to be influenced and controlled by circumstances outside of his own mind. He would rather let me occupy his mind and do his thinking than go to the trouble of thinking for himself. A drifter is one who accepts whatever life throws in his way without making a protest or putting up a fight. If he doesn't know what he wants from life and spends all of his time getting just that, a drifter has lots of opinions, but they are not his own. Most of them are supplied by me. This one struck me um, in our modern society, but it goes back 80 years, that so many people have opinions that are influenced by those around them, or especially by cable news or the, you know, the TV that they watch. And, and I'm no different. I don't watch much TV. I avoid cable news. But of course, my opinions are still influenced by people I surround myself with, which is why I'm still I'm always trying to surround myself with great people who are ambitious, doing great things, who are not complaining or worrying about what's happening in the news or politics, because those things just they bring you down. Right. And when you're thinking about those things all the time, uh, especially if you're watching a particular cable news channel like Fox News will influence you to be more conservative and MSNBC will influence you to be more liberal and ESPN will um, influence you to think that you care about all the minute details of every sport when they really don't matter. Okay, so going on, uh, he talks about how fear is the most useful thing to the devil in uh, getting people to drift because we are, again, afraid of criticism being ostracized. We try to conform to society and, and let society do thinking for us. And, um, you know, as much as I like to say I'm living life intentionally, there are still plenty of things I do where I'm influenced by others. And so this book has caused me to examine that and wonder, okay, am I truly thinking for myself? And, you know, Hill goes on to criticize the school system, and he's really ahead of his time. Uh, you've heard me quote uh, Dr. Carol Dweck and the book Mindset before as a book that has been hugely influential on me um, and the difference between having a growth and fixed mindset. And if you're not familiar with that, highly recommend that book. Highly recommend you check that out. I will probably do an episode on that at some point because I think it's so important. And Hill actually kind of talks about that in this manuscript, this book, uh, you know, 70 years before where he says that the school system influences kids to not think for themselves because uh, they early on reward right answers over independent thinking and hard work. And that may not always be the case. You know, there are great teachers out there, but a lot of times what he's saying is the school system says, you know, sit in your seat, be quiet, raise your hand only when you have the right answer. Don't ask a lot of questions or think for yourselves. And that that influences people to drift later on in life. Pretty, pretty interesting. Okay, so let's get into this description of drift. Uh, he has a, a list of all the things that drifters do. He says, the first thing you will notice about a drifter is his total lack of major purpose in life. No purpose, just drifting from thing to thing. He will be conspicuous by his lack of self-confidence. He will never accomplish anything requiring thought and effort. He spends all he earns and more too if he can get credit. He will be sick or ailing from some real or imaginary cause and calling to high heaven if he suffers the least physical pain. He will have little or no imagination. He will lack enthusiasm and initiate initiative to begin anything he is not forced to undertake. 
He will be ill-tempered and lacking control over his emotions. His personality will be without magnetism and will not attract other people. He will have opinions on everything but accurate knowledge of nothing. He may be jack-of-all-trades but good at none. He will neglect to cooperate with those around him, even those who whom, with whom he must depend for food and shelter. He will make the same mistake over and over again, never profiting by failure. He will be narrow-minded and intolerant on all subjects. He will expect everything of others, but be willing to give little or nothing in return. He may begin many things, but will not complete anything. He will be loud in his condemnation of his government, but will never tell you def- definitely how it can be improved. He will never reach decisions on anything. It can be avoided. He will eat too much and exercise too little. He will take a drink of liquor if someone else will pay for it. Uh, that was me for many years. He will gamble if he can do it on the cuff. He will criticize others who are succeeding in their chosen calling. Uh, man, that is a big one. I think so many people, you know, when you're not successful, it's easy to criticize those who are. And I'm reminded of that because I'm actually recording this on the morning of Super Bowl Sunday. And so many people are critical of Tom Brady and the Patriots because they are successful, right? That's the the pretty much the big reason um, and they're succeeding in their chosen calling. In brief, the drifter will work harder to get out of thinking than most others work in earning a good living. He will tell a lie rather than admit his ignorance on any subject. If he works for others, he will criticize them to their backs and flatter them to their faces. These are pretty damning um, comments about drifters. And of course, nobody is probably guilty of all these things, but I'm sure you could look at the list and be like, ooh, I am guilty of that or I used to be guilty of that. I know I can look at those things. And of course, this is a you know book written 80 years ago. It doesn't mean that if you're guilty of one or two of those things, if you take a free drink from someone, doesn't mean that you're drifting. Um, but if you're not really thinking for yourself, if you're easily influenced by others, then um, it might be something worth thinking about. Now, as far as non-drifters, if you are thinking for yourself, he says, the first sign of a non-drifter is this. He was always engaged in doing something definite through some well-organized plan, which is definite. He has a major goal in life toward which he is always working and many minor goals, all of which lead towards his central theme. The tone of his voice, the quickness of his step, the sparkle in his eyes, the quickness of his decisions clearly mark him as a person who knows exactly what he wants and is determined to get it, no matter how long it may take or what price he may pay. If you ask him questions, he gives you direct answers and never falls back on evasions or resorts to subterfuge. He extends many favors to others, but accepts favors sparingly or not at all. He will be found up front whether he is playing a game or fighting a war. I love that. He is. If he does not know the answer, he will say so frankly. Hey, I don't know. Let me go figure it out. He has a good memory, never offers an alibi for his shortcomings. He never blames others for his mistakes, no matter if they deserve the blame. He used to be known as a go-getter, but in modern times he is called a go-giver. You will find him running the biggest business in town, living on the best street, driving the best automobile, and making his presence felt wherever he happens to be. Um, this part I don't know if necessarily true. You know, if you've read The Millionaire Next Door, the very successful people are not always driving the best car, or living in the biggest house. Um, but at the time, Napoleon Hill was, I think, enamored by the very rich, and so this kind of worked its way in there. Um, he also says that he is an inspiration to all who come in contact with his mind. The major distinguishing feature of the non-drifter is this. He has a mind of his own and uses it for all purposes. <clears throat> so at the end of the day, when he summarizes 
what is a non-drifter? The major difference between the drifter and the non-drifter is something equally available to both. It is simply the prerogative right of each to use his own mind and think for him or herself. So basically at the end of the day, a non-drifter, someone who living life intentionally is someone who thinks for themselves. And you might listen to that and think, well, I'm a non-drifter. I think for myself. And that is where I ask the question, do you really? Do you know the reason for all the things that you do, the rules that you follow, the, the, the societal norms that you listen to? Do you question those things? Do you know why you do all the things you do? How much are you influenced by others? Because I guarantee you, if you have any opinion on politics, if you have any opinion on sports, if you have any opinion on how other people are acting and you are judgmental or critical of them for any reason, uh, there's an influence behind that from either your parents or your church or TV or somebody or something. And I'm not saying that's wrong, right? Because we all have to get our opinions from something or somewhere or somebody. Um, But I'm pointing out that oftentimes we think that we're thinking for ourselves, but we're really influenced by others. And so I try more and more to analyze my thoughts and my reasons for things. And why am I getting upset about this? Or why am I judging other people for doing that? Um, What has that been influenced by? Where did I get that from? Was it from my wife or my parents or my in-laws or my friends or TV or, you know, something else? Where did this come from? And I think the more we analyze those things and think about those things, the more we're able to come up with our own opinions, our own ideas, our own plans, our own goals, our own vision for our life. By the way, he mentions in there that they have a goal they're working towards. And I have many goals I'm working towards and a vision I'm working towards. And um, I don't even know if it's enough. You know, this last week I was with some friends who asked me, where do I want to be in five years? And I didn't know exactly where I wanted to be. And I don't think you have to always know exactly where you're going, but I know it can be helpful to have that longer term goal because then that will influence the decisions you make and help you make those decisions. Are you working on the right things? Are you going in the right direction? Are you doing the right stuff? And having values, having a goal, having a vision will make it easier to make those decisions and make the right decision versus the wrong decision. And if that's your goal and your vision, then it's not influenced by other people. You know, setting goals for other people, I think we do a lot, right? Oh, they're um, trying to make six figures, so I'm going to do that. Those people are exercising five days a week, so I'm going to try to do that. Of course, those things are all great. But you've got to have a good reason why. It has to be for you. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. You're you're just living your life for somebody else, right? So set your own goals. Set your own vision. Think about where you want to get to. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about the criticism from your uh, extended family or from your friends or from society. If you decide that you would rather work at a nonprofit and you don't care about how much money you make, then go do that. Conversely, if you decide that money is what you want and you don't care about the job you do or how much you impact other people, whatever it is, you know, go make the money so that you can live that life of freedom. Um, If you decide that you want to get healthier at the expense of working, what, you know, there are so many trade-offs in life, but what I'm saying is make the decision of what you want and don't worry about the criticism of others. You've got to just put that out there follow your goals, follow your dreams, and 
live life in the front row. A long time back, I had uh, John Vroman on the podcast. Uh, he has a book called um, uh, Front Row Factor and um, a podcast now called Front Row Dads. Everything's about living life in the front row. And interestingly enough, the devil says here that non-drifters will be found up front, whether playing a game or fighting a war. That means raising your hand, jumping in, getting as close to the front of the action as possible because you want to be involved. Um, he means he says helping other people, you know, extending lots of favors to others, accepting those sparingly. I think it's fine to accept help from others. Um, you know, he, he may be talking about this kind of idea of manliness that we don't accept that much help. That's fine. But we want to always be helping others. That's who uh, is going to be the most successful in life. Asking lots of questions, um, being curious, being willing to admit that we're wrong, um, never blaming others. Uh, so the other big factor here, I think, uh, as mentioned throughout the book, is living life in, about living life intentionally and being a non-drifter is avoiding that victim mindset. So really believing that life is happening for you, not to you. So never blaming others, never making excuses, never giving an alibi if something is your fault, uh, being a go-getter, uh, being an inspiration to others, and having a mind of your own and not, you know, again, blaming others, having excuses, um, having an opinion that's in heavily influenced by others. These are all attributes of the non-drifter. And I'm not going to keep going into this book because there are so many other things um, that I can mention that I've highlighted. And as I said, I'm only halfway through the book. I'm going to keep reading. If other big things come up, I'll certainly share those with you. Um, you might be reading this book as well, or maybe you've read it. If you have, you know, send me your thoughts. Uh, or if you haven't, I recommend it. It's a little bit chilling, especially if you're a religious person and you believe in the devil, um, which I don't know if I do, but um, I believe this, that people a lot of people are drifting through life. They're not thinking for themselves. I see it everywhere. I see people kind of mindlessly wandering around and I try not to catch judgment on them because you really don't know what's going on in their lives. And I think everyone is a mix of something drifting in some places, intentional in others. Um, but I think this is kind of a wake-up call, listening to Dominic's interview, reading this book, to think about, am I being intentional in all areas of my life, not just work and business, but marriage, family, parenting, friendship, community, church, whatever it is, am I being intentional? Am I doing the things that I want and need to do to live my best life? Am I getting the most out of this life? Am I following my dreams? Am I starving those fears, which are the things that cause me to not live life intentionally? And am I fulfilling my true potential? That's what this podcast is all about. That's what this episode is about. That's what I'm going to keep talking about on this show. I hope that you are taking some ideas and taking some inspiration from it. Um, if you are, I would love for you to leave a rating and review for this show to share it with your friends on social media or text, whatever it is, uh, as I do with my favorite podcasts. And if you have any questions or feedback for me, please don't hesitate to hit me up. Uh, my email is andystorch at gmail.com and my website is andystorch.com. You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm all over the place probably spending too much time on social media, but trying to be very intentional with that time and not drifting like so many people are. Uh, if you catch me with that, give me that feedback as well. Um, but again, please leave a rating review, share with others. I really appreciate you. I am grateful for you and for your time. And I hope you have an awesome week. <laughs>